0: working through series on the church, and today we're looking at church discipline. But before we jump into it, I want to just ask, generally, is the word discipline a positive or a negative word? Negative. Okay, so negative, negative, depends on who you ask. It does depend
1: on who you ask. If you ask my children, they'll say negative. But if you're talking about, I have this habit, and it's a discipline, then it's a positive.
0: That's okay. If D- David commented, boy, this group we just got from Lachlan, they're so disciplined. Is he speaking positively or negatively about them? Positive. Positively. Yeah. Um, if someone goes, oh, boy, I love to watch that team play. They are just such a disciplined team. Is that positive or negative? Positive. Yeah. And so the word disciplined... Can mean positive and negative however we often when we think of it in regards to the church only in the negative sense but even in the church it should have a positive and negative sense you know discipline doesn't or shouldn't begin with Matthew 18 that's when just like in a home or boot camp or, or a team they've taken care of all that so now they are disciplined they, you know in boot camp they set all these structures in place And though there, maybe they put some punitive discipline just because that's what they like to do. Um, In general, the goal is not to have punitive discipline. It's so that they will have that positive formation that, hey, we always go literally in lockstep. So we're acting better. Or even personal disciplines are a good thing. So that your life is structured and going in a way that's helpful. And so we... As we start this, whenever we talk about church discipline, it's helpful to realize it's not just a negative thing. I have a quote by Mark Dever. He says, it's on your page, "...in its broadest sense, church discipline is the whole complex of teaching, preaching, structures, practices, and censures, which clarifies acceptable behavior from that which is unacceptable for members of a local church. Thus, again, discipline has a formative or positive and corrective negative aspect." You know, so let's just think about our bodies. If we want to get in shape, formatively we do things like work out, we eat the right food. Those are things we try and put into our life patterns, structures. But then to be have a healthy body, sometimes even doing all that it goes awry. And so what do you have to do? You have to go to the doctor, and they sometimes even have to cut you. They have to do stuff that you don't like. It hurts, but it's for the health of your body. So even with our physical body, so in a church gathering talking to one another singing together all these things are disciplines that are leading us to faithfulness to christ and when those don't do what they should then like the surgeon we come in and sometimes have to take the scalpel but like the surgeon we try and put in a little anesthetic first so it doesn't hurt too much Um, we're not trying to hurt anyone we're trying to do them good just as we've been trying to do all along uh but let's just pause why is church discipline Often only heard in its negative aspects.
2: Because a church should not be disciplining their members for you know if they do something wrong. That's what everybody does think. Oh, they're out
3: of line, then there's discipline and they're kicked out of church.
0: Okay, so you think we misunderstand it? I think there's a lot of misunderstanding. Okay. Yeah.
3: Or the
1: lack of acceptance. Okay. I think it has to be kind of on a case by case basis, though, because <clears throat> there are times when you do, you do require church discipline. And there are things like, yes, you do have to be like, you are no longer welcome here, depending on what has happened.
4: I think a lot of times in churches in America, nobody says anything, no, there's no corrective action until the last straw.
0: It's like the worst of parenting, where don't do that, don't do that, I'm going to do something, don't do that, don't do that, and then when it's blown up, and there has to, something has to happen, then they step in, rather than all along stepping in, and so you don't have to get to this culmination blow-up point where there's really nothing good can come from the situation you have now. Uh, Well, let's dive into what Scripture says, so obviously this will be the main passage, Matthew 18, very... For those who see the importance of this where we turn but before we look at what it says I want us to remember the context uh, you're buying homes everyone knows the number one key for a home is location 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 and the number one key for biblical interpretation is context 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 or location 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 um, so Matthew 18 it's not like Jesus is just going along and then hey you know what I haven't mentioned church discipline I need to have a little sermon on that no what's going on is he's talking about how to relate to sin if you have most Bibles have little headings verses 7 through 9 he talks about how to deal with personal sin then verses 10 through 14 he's talking about what about someone who's lost and then it It talks about in there how even the angels rejoice when someone is brought back. And then after the verses we're going to look at, 15 through 20, there's the famous verse where Peter says, How many times do I forgive my brother? And he thinks he's real generous. Up to seven times. Oh, I'm really holy. And Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. He tells the story of the rich king who forgives the servant. And then the servant goes and Basically, throws in prison a guy who owes him nothing and says, look, you have to forgive. So Matthew 18 is in this whole context of dealing with sin. It's not just this random Jesus like, okay, I got to mention this. So understanding that context is important. Um, And it flows from that, that. Here, the goal is always forgiveness. He talks about that right after. The idea is always to bring the sheep back. He talks about that right before. It's never punishment. That's not the goal. It's not to harm someone. It's not to shame them. And we'll talk about that more at the end. But again, seeing that is helpful. Um, But it all starts, verse 15. Uh, Actually, we'll we'll just read the whole thing. David, could you read 15 through 24?
3: If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I
0: among them. All right, so here it starts with someone sinning against them. So the issue is, how do I deal with sin? Well, it's not my sin, but they do something against me. And here, again, it's sin. It's not a preference. Well, hey, I don't like that. No, they've sinned against you. So you go and tell all your friends about what they No, You go and talk to them about what they have Done. Um now in this there's always the option, Proverbs 1911 says, of overlooking the offense. Proverbs 19:11. It's glorious to overlook an offense. Just because someone sins against you doesn't mean you have to go talk to them. You could in your mind go, you know what? They just did that to me. But you know what? I can just forgive them and move on. I don't always have to make them say, I'm sorry will you forgive me? I'm just going to forgive them and we're going to move on. And of course, this needs to be done in a manner of gentleness. Well then, it says in there, if he listens, you have gained your brother. So really, church discipline could be going all the time. Your brother in the church sins against you, you talk to him, you work it out. That was church discipline. It doesn't, you know, again, we only think of it in excommunication. But, No church is going to exist where people aren't sending against one another. We say something in a way that was unkind or whatever, and working through this over and over is really that leads to health, so then you don't have to continue in these steps. So, again, the goal if he hears, if he repents, it's over. You know, he's not trying to rub their nose and what they did against you or anything like that. However, if he will not listen, what are they then told to do? Yeah. Now, why do you think that might be the next step? There might be some safeguards in there, biblical reasons.
3: So it doesn't become a he said, he said, or however you want to
0: look at that. Yeah.
3: And maybe the person who thinks they've been sinned against is wrong. It wasn't actually a sin. So now you're conferring with others. Here's the situation. Am I thinking of this correctly?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's... Some checks and balances in there that they don't go. You're just being petty. <laughs> you need to just okay. So they bumped you as they were walking out. Did you notice what all was going on? I don't think they intentionally like lowered their shoulder. You need to forgive them by yourself. We're not going to go with you because you're the one who has the issue. Um, as well in the Old Testament, when there is a charge, it need to be based on two or three witnesses. So again, this is not some petty little thing, but something that's clear that other people can recognize. Oh, yeah, we see the sin. Or you recounted us what happened, and this is clearly a sin.
2: Yeah.
1: So think of like, you know, it's an intervention at that point. If you wouldn't listen to this one person that you know and respect, well, if a couple of other people, maybe you, you know, the sin wasn't directly against them, but they have they have seen it in some way, shape, or form. And so, if three people are coming to you and saying, "Hey, we really think you have this heart issue," then maybe you're a little bit more inclined to actually listen and not just be on the defensive.
0: Yeah. Maybe you don't get along with that one person well that's your opinion but then you have other people you respect also saying oh yeah maybe i need to listen up all right so again if they listen great it's over you know so in a church maybe not that many people know about this situation only three people and the person who sinned four and it's over doesn't need to go any farther but what do they do then if it doesn't get resolved the person won't repent yeah uh, I'm guessing
4: with, like, when they say the church, they're not thinking, uh, they're not talking like the whole church congregation, are they talking for it, or are they, or are they talking more like the church elders?
0: Well, some people, uh, like our Presbyterian brothers, would say church elders, but I would say, well, it says church. church <laughs> now, in this, there isn't a time frame, it's not like. 8 o'clock, you have coffee, you get upset. So you talk to them. Well, by lunch, you have two or three others, and by the evening, you've called the church because, hey, we got to get this. No, I mean, this could be months. You know, it could be a situation where this takes time. You know, we're and I think we maybe even have in our Constitution, you know, it's not like next congregational meeting if this has been going on. You go, okay, we just need to let you know that Chris, Ty, Shauna, we've been talking to David, and now we're telling the church, you know probably you would want to bring one of the elders in first, and then the elders would also be part of that two or three. It doesn't have to be an elder. And then they, they would say, okay, we need to present this to the church, not just, you know, I'm going to send an email to the church and let everyone know what I think needs to happen. Um, but I, I think it does literally mean the whole congregation, and we'll see, you know, in some ways this is a warning, that sin is serious, and the whole church is, learning and also the whole church can respond again doesn't say that um excuse me doesn't say how they treat him I mean, i'm not thinking give my thoughts very well let's look at verse 17 if he refuses to listen to all the church and if he refuses to listen even to the church let him be to you as a gentile and a tax collector Right, what I was trying to say is the word as is significant now let's pause how would a regular Jew in Jesus time have considered a Jew and tax collector Outside. an outsider someone who you wouldn't welcome them now notice he says as a Gentile or tax collector why might the word as be significant Showing similarity. okay similarity but it's also not saying for sure We are saying, when we see this fruit in your life, this is what it looks like. However, we're not saying, when we remove someone, you are not a believer. They very well could be. We're just saying, you are acting like an unbeliever. The fruit in your life looks like an apple, so we're going to call you an apple. If you repent, well, that looks like, what fruit would be a Christian? I don't know. A pomegranate. (laughs) Pomegranate. (laughs) Seedy. Gets annoying. Crowds in everywhere. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> That's a hard shell
0: to <laughs> <laughs> who knows how to open them anyways uh but we, all we're saying is look this is looking like this so we're going to call you that if you're not going to repent of a clear sin in your life then you're acting like someone who's not a christian so we're going to treat you as though you're not a christian however it's not our place to judge their heart and say you are not a christian All we are saying is your actions are showing that you are acting. And so we're going to treat you like that until your actions show that you're acting like Christian. And then we'll treat you like Christian. And So all you have to do is repent, confess your sin. And that's what Christians do. Christians aren't perfect. They're people who, when they sin, they repent and turn to Christ for forgiveness. And then there's verses in here in 1920 about that what's done on earth is done in heaven, which should really make the person who's under discipline feel the weight of it. Though we have to realize humans err. Um, there have been people removed from churches who never should have been removed from churches. So again, it's up to the Lord, ultimately. Uh, but then the verse we often quote when we're feeling a little down about how many people are at our service, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Which I think is encouraging because we can wonder should we really be doing this? But very, in the midst of it, that's the place where he says, I'm in your midst. You know, it's not like Christ is opposed to us. He's in the very midst of those who are being faithful to call people to repentance. So, let's think about this. Um, what should be some sins that you should not overlook in others? And what might be some sins in others that we should overlook? Prior to that. Okay, yes. Back up. I going to say, Yeah. What, does, uh,
5: what, does, what really matters, and how is it?
0: How is your witness being affected by it? Yeah, definitely. Mm. What okay. <laughs> <laughs> what would be some sins we should or should not overlook, or types? Idolatry. What? Adultery. like blatant. So that's the we should overlook or should. Not. Okay, just want to be clear. <laughs> we, don't, we don't care about that. It's fine. Okay.
2: Domestic violence.
0: Yeah, and I would even say habitual sins. Now, it might be, you know, at one time you might go, you know, I'm not going to talk to them. But if you see a pattern in their life of, I don't know, maybe always being harsh towards their children. Now, we all at times need to be firm. Put it in a kind of word. (laughs) But if you see this pattern in their life, or you see a pattern that, okay, if you're, we all sometimes do projects together. They slip and fall and a cuss word comes out. You know, you, I don't think you always have to talk to them that time. But if you see this pattern that they're continually, their language is foul, well, then you would want to talk to them. But again, you know, we're not called to be junior Holy Spirits. We don't need to. Ooh, did they feel guilty that they said that? <laughs> we don't need to go around being people's conscience. When some of these minor, and I put in quotes, minor sins, every sin cause Jesus need to be put on the cross. But we also recognize we have internal consciences, some sins we do, but we're continually confessing them. Um now why is merely following the steps and I've seen this important Well I followed the steps of Matthew eighteen. I did it. We're being biblical. Why is that not enough? That may not be great. Thank you. <laughs> now, this is not a legalistic checklist. Well I went and talked to him. I brought someone else. Well, how was it brought to the person? You know, is there this desire? You know, When we talked about this a few months ago, maybe weeks, Elaine shared of her brother who was removed from a church who wanted. He was trying to confess and repent. And they wouldn't let him. Well, we went through the... Well, okay, they didn't necessarily follow the steps. But nonetheless, you know, we can create... Well, I've done the checklist no, there should be this tenor of grace going throughout it. Now, another question that I think is really important. What kind of relationships do we need to have prior to this so that this is received as loving? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I'm doing this because I love you. What are you talking about? You don't even know me. Oh, and I was a teacher. Sometimes I had to call home, tell parents, hey, you know, I'm having this issue in the classroom. And when you would talk to them, and you could tell they didn't have an ongoing relationship with their child, it wasn't going to go well. You know, if home life was we basically all just live in separate rooms, but we're not together, and then dad's going to come to the door and go. Ah, ah, ah. Well, that's not going to... I mean, maybe the kid might stop, but it's not going to be helpful. And it's definitely not going to be received as loving. And so, you know, again says, healthy member relationships must be recovered before corrective discipline can be carried out realistically. And so, you know, if you ever go to a new church, there might be sin going on, but the first thing might be, hey, we need to get to know each other. Uh, I was at a church once where the membership was 3,000, but the average attendance was 200 so at one point one of the pastors realized okay look this is we need to take care of this well if you've been a member for 30 years and then you're removed you might not receive that well you know you need it all along be saying look those who are members we need to make sure they're active and we need to be clear on these things so that we're loving and caring for them not just who are you again? Yeah, I think I went there 10 years ago. Why are you calling me? You know, Ongoing, loving relationships. So that's what we do when there's private sin in our lives that we're dealing with. And it's unrepentant. Again, if they repent, then great. That, that's the end of it. But what if there's something in the public? Let's turn to First Corinthians 5 and we'll see that. We looked at this just last week, so we'll just kind of touch on this quickly. Uh, Again, in 1 Corinthians 5, the issue is there's a man who is involved sexually with his mother-in-law. No, no, his stepmom. So, dad remarried or something. They don't give us all the details. But nonetheless, um, this is going on. Well, let's read 5. We'll just start with verses 1 through 5. Could could you read that for us, Chris? It's actually reported that
2: there is sexual immorality among you and and of a kind that is not tolerated. Has his father's wife, and you are arrogant. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though absent in the body, I am present in spirit, and as at present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present with the power of our Lord Jesus, are you to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved?
0: So here, again, we mentioned the issue, but worse than the sin, verse 2, is that they pride themselves that they are allowing it. It says, are you not arrogant? You know, they're kind of like, hey, grace abounds. We know he's doing it, but hey, Jesus saves. What can we say? And he's saying, no, even unbelievers would be ashamed at what's going on. So they shouldn't be rejoicing in it. Now here, the difference is for Matthew 18. Matthew 18 was personal. If it was personal, Paul would go and talk to him personally. But here, everyone in the church knows about it. So it needs to be a public confrontation. And again, the goal, verse 5 talks about, for removing them was that he would be saved, not retribution. It's not that he can punish him, but so that he would be saved. Um, So again, the flip side, if he repented, he would be allowed back into the church. Now here we need to realize we don't discipline people for committing sins. We all commit sins. We discipline for unrepentant sins where they're going to say, no, I'm just going to keep doing that. Or yeah, I did it and I don't care. But if we discipline people just for committing sin, there'd be no one left in the church to discipline the other people. You know, we all sin. I still sin, but hopefully there's this pattern of realization, confession, repentance, trying to fight against that sin. Um, And so I think this is important because sometimes we think, oh, church discipline, that's for like someone who goes and commits a crime or a drug addict. But you know, I only gossip, that's no big deal. You know, it might be that someone binges on drugs again and they're not put under church discipline because they're repentant of it, but the elderly woman who's really moral but gossips all the time is someone we would put under church discipline. You know, it's not the type of sin, it's the Christians or person who's claiming to be christian's response to it it's that they are not living faithfully not that they've done some big deed and again as with matthew 18 it's not our job to say whether they are christians or not whether we're stating that they're acting like they are not saved now i think one other thing to notice before we jump back in here notice no individual has the power to do this Paul doesn't say, I removed him, and I'm an apostle, so he's out of your church. No, no pastor, no bishop, no pope, no individual has the power to remove someone. Again, the power here is the church. You know, the church, though we're led by elders, we're served by deacons, ultimately, and we'll see this some in the next few weeks, I think we're ruled by the congregation. But, it's whole another week, let's dive into it. Uh, But... Ty, would you read verses six for eight for us? Oh sorry, thought you were there. First Corinthians five six. Yeah, eight. six right?
1: mm-hmm. Your glorifying you is not good. Do you not know that a little heaven leaven little leaven, sorry, <laughs> a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Therefore, purge out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, since you are truly since you truly are in leaven. For indeed Christ, our Passover was sacrificed for us. Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, nor with leaven of malice and wickedness.
0: Uh, so we're now on the reason, if you're on the, using that little sheet, we're on the back. The reason for this, and he gives an analogy of bread. So here, the bread is, the, lo, the dough is fermented, it's sourdough, you might think. And that is put in to cause the whole bread to have that sourdough taste. Now, it's not like you put it in and then you go, wow, this is like swirl. Half of it's sourdough and the other half is not. You know, the leaven affects the whole thing. And Paul's saying sin is like that. Sin affects the whole body. You can't allow sin, you can't allow the leaven in the church and then go, you know what, this really isn't that big a deal. Yes, we know that he has this relationship with his stepmom, but that doesn't affect us. I mean, that's his personal life. Who are we to talk about his personal private life? That's between him and the Lord. Paul says, no, if he's a part of your church, it's affecting all of you. You can't allow sin and think you're not going to be affected. And so he's saying, look, one of the reasons you want to do this is it will affect the whole church. Uh, you don't have to answer those questions. It's self-reflective. So how do you respond when you hear of sin in the church? I was at a church once where I was talking to one of the members, and they told me that they were out. And they were, I don't know if they were at a bar or near a bar, but they saw one of the members of our church come out with someone who wasn't their spouse and clearly interacting in a way that you should not act with someone who's not your spouse. And then they saw the man I was talking to and shock, embarrassment, shame. And then they begged my friend, please don't tell, please don't tell. I will, uh, and my friend said, okay, I won't. And I tried to convey to him that was the wrong thing to do (laughs) you know not again not that he then needed to come to the church or even to the elders but he should have said well you need to tell your spouse because I'm gonna you know how are you gonna work that out? I'm gonna talk to them in a week that I saw this and if you all get it worked out that's great but this is an issue I can't act like well no big deal I mean yeah it's just between us No, that I mean this is a clear sin but this was clearly aware of, and yet I think a lot of Christians act this way. Well, okay, I don't want to be a tattletale, and we don't want to be tattletales, but hey, if we care about that individual and we care about the church as a whole, we would want to talk to them. Now, these are not self-reflective. Uh, how is biblical love better than the cheap imitation of accepting someone or being tolerant? How is biblical love better than merely accepting someone or tolerating them? Because they're often equated as they're the same. But I want to say actually, biblical love is better. If we just tolerate, we just accept people, that's to love them less than we should.
4: Yeah, Ooh, we're 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 just,
0: okay. Because yeah. sorry, good. Knowing,
4: knowing who I am, just being me is terrible.
0: family discipline will let y'all take care
4: but you know so I I mean I can I can assume that for everybody that because of sin just being you you're terrible you can put on a pretty face but you're terrible inside you know you need Jesus inside but you don't so you're, you're you know by nature terrible
0: yeah
5: I was listening to Bill Wise last night, where he quotes Job: uh, "Man is wicked to the point that he drinks evil." And so that that man that you mentioned being caught and saying, "Please don't say anything," the other person says, oh, "Okay, I won't." He's already being drawn in. He already knows who he is, deeper and worse, he's not going to love more, now he's he's stirring up in himself, dissension within the body, so his brother he loves better, yes, brother,
3: the, the alternative is worse. Okay, yeah. And to allow that to happen, to not say anything, really all you care about is this relationship or their own. Really deceiving yourself, ultimately, and deceiving them, because that affects their vertical relationship as well. By not saying anything, you're basically judging
0: them. Yeah, but this is what we hear all the time. Y'all are Christians. You're supposed to love. Isn't love unconditional acceptance? I mean, I hear this all the time when I read online. Well, how could you say what they're doing is wrong? Jesus' command is love. You should be accepting them for who they are. Well, so let's pause on that. And are there things about people that we should accept as they are?
1: Yes. They
4: were created in the image of
0: God. Okay, so what are some things that we should accept them for who they are?
1: If you just have an annoying personality, but it's not sinful, well, I don't have
0: to <laughs> like it. This is just who you are. <laughs> okay, that's Or yeah, or quirky, you know, yeah. I can accept that you like weird things. All right, well maybe some other things that we should accept or tolerate even in people.
2: Just their general preferences of you know, likes or dislikes. Okay, yeah. Because sometimes sometimes, I mean, when it comes to those preferences, some people get downright nasty. <laughs> like, take sports, for example, you mentioned one thing, like I like this team over this team, it's like, <clears throat> yeah, it's like World War III just happened.
0: Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, Arnold. Um,
5: this, this particular subject, says deliver such a one unto Satan for the the destruction of the flesh that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ so if he's not delivered unto Satan his spirit will not be saved question crickets (laughs) crickets yes crickets so what's he saying is he saying two things here Another another part of that though we used to wrote a book.
0: You're talking about 23 minutes of hell. Uh,
5: terrible. Terrible.
0: We're talking about accepting people, except tolerating. Right, <clears throat> so, and not accepting. Yeah, and we have to realize there's lots of things in life that we might want different. You know, in our children, we might wish they were more athletic or more intellectual or they were more, had a different personality than they have. But because we love them, you know, we're going to love them even though they don't have maybe the intellect we want them to have or maybe they don't have the sports ability or maybe they don't have the personality. We would like them to be outgoing and maybe they're not. Or we wish they weren't so outgoing and they are. Um, You know, we love them for who they are, but... The difference is, and Shauna kind of hinted in this one she was saying, is when that morphs into sin. Yes, I'm going to love you for being outgoing, but when you're rude, I'm going to tell you to stop. I'm going to love you for being quiet, but when you won't answer an adult, I'm going to tell you that's wrong because you need to speak when spoken to. You know, assuming you're not strangers going on to all that. But nonetheless, you know, I can love you for who you are until you use that as a blanket to then sin. And when you sin, I'm still going to love you, but when you act in this way... I'm going to confront you because I love you, not be- lack of my love. When someone is
1: leading a life of unrepentant sin, I mean, you believe unrepentant sin, and, and you say, I will just tolerate this because I love you, well, if that person isn't safe, you're not being loving to them. I actually had a friend who is an atheist say, I hope that every single person who is a Christian hounds me forever about Jesus, because if you really believe, that when I die, I am going to this horrible place called hell, and you didn't tell me what like what kind of person are you? Yeah. Like she didn't believe it, but she thought if you did, you should be telling everybody all the time. And she never got upset if people talked to her about Jesus. Like she would have a biblical discussion with you, whatever. She never thought you were right, but she was super respectful. And I mean, I thought that kind of stuck with me. You know, throughout my life, I always remember saying that. Like, if you really think I'm going to this terrible place and my soul is the same, why are you telling? You know, why would you just give up and not keep trying to help? You?
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: I'm on the I'll tell you, but then told that's
4: you. your choice. You're I told you. I told. You. Yeah, I told you. I, told you. I don't right. know. And I... I, I might lay down line. I? I might sell you again, but I'm not gonna hound you. And that's your choice, because that's what you deserve. You that's don't. what you deserve. <laughs> I
0: <see. laughs> what <laughs> well, I think there, now I we're... Say, mo- hey, we all deserve
4: this. Yeah. So it. this is the... Here's where you... Here here's where we, you well, we you. all deserve
0: this. We got rid of the crickets. <laughs> 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 I,
1: you know what I mean Well, I think
0: there we're moving yeah. into the realm of wisdom. Yeah. When do we go, I've said enough. You know, yeah. I'm going to ruin I my relationship. You and you when... This. So that's moving into... Both of you agreeing we should talk to them, but how much is yes. enough? And that's a good discussion, but a different one. Right. Uh, but in this, you know, I want to convey that love doesn't always mean we let. Sometimes love says we don't let you do that. Well, we need to hurry through this one. So the end, verses 9 through 13. Corbin, could you read that for us? First Corinthians 5, 9 through 13. I
2: wrote you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not all mean with the immoral people of this world or the covetous and swindlers or idolaters for then you would have to go out of the world but actually I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother if he is an immoral person or covetous or an idolater or a reveler or a drunkard or a swindler not even to eat with such a one for what have I to do with judging outsiders do you not judge those who are within the church but those who
0: are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. All right. So Paul's now examining what does this look like, and he had written them before. So technically, this isn't First Corinthians, but well, I guess it was not need to be. And nonetheless, so that's a whole discussion. I shouldn't have said that. Sorry. Anyways, in this prior letter, he had already talked about this, and he, or talked about not associating with immoral people. So they took this to mean, well, okay, we shouldn't be with unChristians non-christians he's like no, no 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 that's not what i meant i meant the person who's claiming to be a christian and living immorally because you actually should be involved with immoral people if they're unbelievers and you're going to try and tell them the good news you know we should be distinct from the culture in regard to our attitudes and our characteristics but we shouldn't be separate from the culture in our spheres of influence what we do and he's trying to draw that distinction Uh, the person he's talking about is those again who are claiming to be believers but living in unrepentant sin Uh, then he says something interesting he says you are to judge those inside the church now don't judge those outside judge those within and he wraps up by saying purge the evil person from among you not purge those out there those who are in you and He's saying that. Now, I think, sadly, Christians have really flipped this in our culture.
4: Yeah, I mean, it feels like we've inverted that. We're like, be part of our club, and then we'll judge everybody else. Yeah. But once you're in our club, yeah, like you can do whatever you want.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're quick to online. Christians are always tacking our culture for how horrible it is and how our culture is doing this, this, and this but we're not good at all. I mean, those some people, if you talk to them about doing church discipline in their church, no, 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 that's unloving. Well, we've inverted what we're supposed to be doing. You know, we often think the biggest threat to Christians today is people who attack religious liberty, people who have these weird views of sexuality. Well, no, the Bible often shows the biggest threat to the church is itself. You know, when we don't take sin seriously, when we don't seek to be faithful to the Lord, that is the biggest danger and to take one example you know not here but in many churches they don't bat an eye if there's a couple living together well at least they're here they're hearing the gospel or there's a couple who are going to get a divorce and shouldn't of course there are some times for divorce but when the church has the same rate of divorce as the world then there's probably something wrong you know there should be hey look at the church I don't know what's with them, but their marriages often stay together. What allows y'all to work through that? And forgiveness, what Christ has done for us. Yeah, we don't always like each other, we can tell you that, but we have Christ, and I know how much He's forgiven me, so I can forgive them. But yet, we condemn the culture for their sins when we look just like them, and we've reversed this. Um, So, here we've seen that Church discipline, both for private sin and Matthew 18 here for public sin, and then we're going to fly, zoom through these last two. Church discipline in relation to false teaching, and this is from the pastoral epistles. Um, for sake of time, we're not going to turn to all these. Actually, I'll just have people turn. We'll read them real quick. David or Arnoldo, oh no, I haven't had you read yet. Titus 1, 11, please. Uh, Chris, Second John 10. David, Second Thessalonians 3. 13 through 15 and Corbin Titus 3, 9 through 11. Alright, so Titus 1, 11, please. Whose
5: mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things which they ought not, for
0: filthy Lucre's sake. Yeah, so he's talking about deceivers in the church, and he just says they must be stopped. Okay? We need to stop them in some way. Second um, John 10, if we... If
2: anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive them into your house or give him any greeting.
0: Yeah, so if this person is not agreeing with the apostolic teaching, don't even welcome them. Now, there's a lot of cultural stuff in there, but there's this clear sign of discipline. Who had 2 Thessalonians? Thank you, David.
3: As for you, brothers, do not grow weary.
0: All right, and Corbin, Titus 3, 9-11.
3: But avoid
2: foolish controversies and genealogies and strife and disputes about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Reject a factious man after a first and second warning, knowing that such a man is perverted and
0: is sinning, being self condemned Yeah, they're to reject him, have nothing to do with him. Now here, we want to be clear. We're not saying... We all need to be lockstep on every practice and principle throughout the church. But on the core essentials of the faith, we do. You know, Jesus, death in our place, salvation in him alone, by faith alone, and core essentials like that. Um, And so we need to realize the importance even, not just for sin, but also for teaching, we need to have discipline. And again, on essentials. Uh, lastly, on your page, good and bad reasons for church discipline, and these are really pretty straightforward. One, because we love them. Two, because as Proverbs says, the wise person, the wise son, accepts discipline. You know, we want to grow in wisdom. You know, again, this doesn't always. We always think of this as the last step, excommunication, but the first step is the ongoing relationships. It's the hey, I accidentally did something to chris or purposely and he confronts me and i confess to him hey if i'm wise and chris goes hey you did this then i'm gonna go oh thank you i'm not gonna go no uh. so we do discipline because we want to grow in wisdom a desire for the gospel to be clearly seen we've noted this throughout when the church looks just like the world well then the world doesn't take any notice of the church you know, if we want the gospel to be clear, then we should want people in our church to be living lives that make it clear. And we want to obey God. You know, this is clearly said throughout the New Testament. we looked at lots of different verses. This is not just some random verse that we've plucked out because we want to get at someone. You know, If we want to obey God, then we need to do this. But there's also bad reasons to do this. Revenge. You know, They hurt you, and you want to let them have it. Um, so you're going to shame them in front of everyone. Second one, control. Sadly, some pastors, church leaders, church councils, they control the church through things like this. This is not a power play. Speak for love. Third, to avoid our collective shame. This is where someone does something really bad and we go, oh, we don't want people to think our church would have someone like that, so we're going to remove them. Well, again, it's not the degree of their sin. They might do something horrible. But if they're genuinely repentant and confess... We're not going to remove them. You know, in some ways, that's the shame of the cross. That You mean someone like that could be forgiven? Yeah. So it's not they did something horrible. And then again, not to shame them. It's not scarlet letter. Ha ha. We're going to bring up front everyone what this person did. So we can shame them. The goal is we want to love God by being obedient to Him. We want to love the person. Because if they're in unrepentant sin, that's not healthy. And we want to love the church because as we saw, their sin will not stay with just them. Are we fled? Fled. Flew, Flew thank you. <laughs> Dude, that last section. Any comments as we wrap up? Other um, than you mentioned here uh, that guy coming out of a bar It just made me
4: think of our church culture and how we view bars now or like just going into a bar and like, ooh, you know, like, don't know, you don't know, like that legalistic, whereas I think of like C.S. Lewis, you know, Tolkien, they, they hung out in pubs. Yeah. That was where they talked and they, you know, they, they hung out in pubs and they did those things, you know. Well,
0: none the, nonetheless, we got to realize that wasn't a sin just to go yeah. to a pub. Right. Well.
4: But now, like our church culture is like, and you walked into a bar? Oh, sounds like a bad joke. Sounds like, it sounds like you need church discipline.
0: Well, you know why you take two Baptist fishing with you, right? Because if you take one, I'll drink all your beer. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we do pick it. We have to realize, and that's the two or three witnesses, that we pick up things we like as preferences and then we make them sin. I was listening to this interesting podcast yesterday about facial hair. And in it, the guy was talking about how throughout time, churches have condemned or praised facial hair. You know, sometimes, oh, what are they? Ha- they're only hiding something if they're wearing something on their face. <laughs> but the Bible doesn't say, so we don't need to take our preference for facial hair and then act like, well, this is what holy people do. Or manly men. Or manly men. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> All right. Well, that is it for today.